0: Welcome to The Lead Podcast, helping you to get it, grow it, and give it. All right, we are here at The Lead Podcast, and this is Ryan Becker talking. One of our two hosts, Roger is the other one, and we're just so excited that you are listening to this podcast, that you're tuning in. And today we have an awesome guest, Adriana pereira um, I think I hope I said your name right, uh, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you, Ryan. That was perfect. Your presentation was really good.
0: <laughs> I'm half Cuban, so I can get some things right on on occasion. It's. <laughs> um, let's Let's go ahead and jump kind of right into into this. Why is worship so important?
1: Well, worship is important because Jesus said that the Father is seeking for two worshipers. So it's not that the father is waiting or expecting at some point, but he's actively seeking, looking for uh, worshipers So to worship is to bow down, you know, and humble oneself into, into God's presence. And my favorite definition of, of, of worship is being present in God's presence. So, mm. um, when we worship, we, we find God, but we also find ourselves and we get a better understanding of who we are. So he's our creator. We are, you know, his creature. And um, so it, it is important because when we approach God uh, in in any way, we are somehow worshiping it, and we, we were created to worship.
0: Wow, that's really good. I really like that answer. So... Let's now, let's dive into this. Uh, some have suggested that Adventist liturgy should only appeal to the mind, but not to emotion. Yes. Talk about how you view a kind of a more holistic approach to our liturgy and, and to our worship.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that question. You know what? It's interesting because I think that question has been growing in myself. Um, before coming to Andrews, where I am now, I was at Oakwood University, Alabama. And, you know, that is a historically black university. And when I went to Oakwood, I was coming from Spain. And uh, the Adventist tradition of worship in, in Spain is quite different from what I experienced at Oakwood. And then I realized that at the beginning, it was maybe too emotional to me, what uh, I, I experienced at Oakwood, even though I loved it and it really connected with me, but I was not used to it. So hmm. it it kind of forced me to rethink and revisit everything I had been doing in terms of congregational worship so far. And um, yes, that is true that we have a trend uh, as scientists to worship more maybe with our reason than um, involving emotions. We are, to a certain extent, a threat of emotions and I don't think we're always aware of that but when you go to a congregation in which they allow themselves to be more free and less inhibited when it comes to the emotional realm we, we realize I think that uh, our worship is not really balanced between reason and emotions. why well we have a we have a long a history as congregation I think that um, what happened in Indiana? With the Holy Flesh episode and what Ellen wrote about it has been misunderstood, has been taken out of context. So mm. emotional worship for us is false worship. So we cannot gravitate toward uh, a more rational approach uh, instead of emotional to avoid uh, false worship. But what I think is happening is trying to go that way. We have um, we have uh, lost our balance, and biblical worship is balanced worship, and we, are, mm. we were created in God's image. You know, David wrote in Psalm 100, 103 and 104, that all that I am, praise the Lord, is not just my reason or my, you know, the logical part of my brain, but all that I am. It's, it's a beautiful concept, so when, when it comes to the presence of God, I experience God with everything that He gave me, my mind, my body, my spirit... Everything
0: right. Wow, that's great. I really love that answer. So, so you've got you've got these two other groups now. Not just mind or emotion, but now you've got uh, people who are saying we only use the hymnal or we only sing mm. contemporary music and Hillsong and Elevation and, and, yes. and how how can how can those two groups worship together? Or do you think they're, that that's impossible?
1: No, I think it is possible. I don't. I don't think it's easy, but it, it is possible. I have. I have seen examples of balance, uh, congregational worship, diverse uh, congregational worship. Here at Andrews, we make a very intentional effort to blend uh, all the new, contemporary, and traditional hymn and 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 his song, and and I've seen it working. So it is possible. I know it's working in many places. Um, if we want to. Um, base our worship principles in the Bible. So we have to be diverse because that's biblical. I mean, if you go to the New Testament, you know that Paul says uh, in Colossians 3.16 to sing with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit or spiritual songs. And that's also Ephesians 5.19. So uh, diversity in worship is not something that Hillsong came with, but it's actually biblical. And if you go to the Psalms, Levite would be writing new songs constantly. So every song that we see or we read uh, was a contemporary song in their time. So uh, they had old songs like Moses, for example, uh, songs, and they had contemporary songs. And the Bible says "Sing a new song, never in the Bible you will find uh, a verse that says keep singing the old song, never. Just the opposite. Keep it fresh, keep it new. So why new? Well, music is something, it's an expression, it's a language uh, that will speak to the people that is actually uh, living, right? So um, what I'm trying to say is if you are living in 2018, there are some hymns that, that, that still speak to the congregation. Some others, they don't. Mm. So we shouldn't keep singing something that is not relevant, it's not connecting. On the other side, there are plenty of contemporary songs. Some of them, they are relevant, and you see that people respond and they connect with God, and some others, maybe they don't. So who makes that decision? That is the problem. Who makes that decision? Well, the music minister, the music conductor. Do we have music ministers? That's another chapter, right?
0: (laughs) Yes, Absolutely.
1: Right. So, if we have music ministers uh, or a worship committee, wonderful. So we can find time to uh, maybe survey the congregation and make right decisions. If not, well, we are trying our best, but sometimes our best is not working.
0: Mm. So, if I'm a pastor or if I'm a music uh, minister or a part of a music community or, or committee in our church in, in my church, um. I'm really wanting to learn more about kind of worship and 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 the history of it and and what uh, what I can do to make some changes in my church. Uh, what are some books or resources that you would recommend to those in that in that position?
1: Sure, there are plenty. There are many books. Um, I'm happy that in the last ten years, uh, some gro- really great books have been published by by the Adventist uh, publishing houses. Um, My favorite is In Tune With God by Dr. Lillian Ducan. In Tune With God is a great book. Um, It has been translated into more than 10 languages. So it's in Spanish, in French, in German, in Italian. Um, It's a great book. Um, Also, Levi Praise is a book written by an Adventist um, music leader, Dr. Cheryl Wilson-Bridges. It's a great book as well. Did I, praise? Um, I wrote a book. It's called More Than Music Worship. Um, there's one great book called, the uh, um, title, sorry, The Worship Architect by um, Sherry, Dr. Const- Constance Sherry. It's a great book as well. And there's one book that you have to be a solid theologian to read because it will make you revisit many traditions and many practices that we have in the church uh, but it's a great book, is um, Pagan Christianity by Viola and Um One more time, uh, you have to be a mature Christian to read that book, but mm. it, it's really helpful, I think.
0: Awesome. Those are great. We're, so, Listeners, as is tradition, we're going to include all the links to those books down in the episode description so you can go and find those. Um, so can you share some warnings, suggestions, best practices uh, for leaders who are trying to adapt litur- their liturgy and their worship service to reach people?
1: Uh, yes. Thing First thing I would say is, keep in mind, why do we do what we do? So, biblical worship is centered in Jesus. It's all about Him. From Genesis to Revelation, is, Jesus is the center of our worship. So, keep it Christ-centered. The music is not the center. The musical instruments are not the center. The musicians, the pastor, the screen are not the center. Jesus has to be the center. That's extremely important. So at the end of the worship experience, people should have had a fresh experience with Jesus. So everything that we do should point out to who Jesus is and allow him to, sh- to shine. Sometimes I think that,
0: uh, okay, these
1: this are hard words, but I have to tell this. I have to say this: worship is about being humble in the presence of God. And sometimes worship wars is all about control. Who has the control? Is is the praise team? Is the praise band? Is the church board? Is you know is the praise leader? And uh, spirit-led worship is spirit-led. So the Holy Spirit has the control. That's risky, but that's biblical. You want to have a than worship. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead. That means that before the service, the praise team, the praise band should spend a good amount of time asking for the Holy Spirit presence and having that in mind and praying together before going to lead worship, because we cannot give what we don't have. Mm. So there are uh, there's a newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter that I deeply recommend is uh, Best Practices for Adventist Worship. Uh, if you are not a member, you have to be. It is free, and it's a great, it's, it's great um, material. The main editor is Dr. Nicholas Sork, who has a PhD in cultural worship, and, and he's amazing. But that that's great material. But besides all the material that we can read and all technicalities, if we don't, if we don't expect the Holy Spirit to lead, it won't be relevant. It won't touch because we cannot play the Holy Spirit role. Music cannot mimic the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to mm. be in control.
0: Wow, that's really good. Um, now I know we didn't uh, send you this question ahead of time, but I really want to ask this, uh, especially as a pastor who does have a lot of people asking for one or the other type of of, of worship. Um, you, you've you've you brought up earlier the idea of balanced worship, and you've seen congregations with balanced worship. Um, what would you actually kind of, if you could give a definition for what you would consider balanced worship?
1: Okay, balanced worship would be uh, worship that the congregation can connect with, and um, it keeps in mind or it takes um, a holistic approach. So that would be. Uh, my mind, my emotions, my body will participate. So nobody will judge me if I lift my hand or if I stay uh, with my uh, eyes closed or if I want to sit while everybody else is standing up, for example, because it's spirit-led. And that's freedom we're not always comfortable with. So um, that is one element that I I consider important. Um, Second, If Jesus is a center, so we will have Jesus' spirit, which is, you know, Mary Magdalene, she felt embraced and accepted enough to worship Jesus with tears and her hair and and perfume, you know, very unconventional elements of worship. And why does she feel free to worship that way, even though she was judged by Judas and Simon and, and others? Well, because Jesus created this atmosphere around him. Uh, he always spoke the truth, but he made people feel he was approachable. He was not judging, but saving. He was imparting mm-hmm. grace, not passing judgment. So that is very important. Sometimes we're we get caught on technicalities, like, you know, which type of song or which instrument, honestly, those are secondary things. Yeah. If, if I go to your congregation and um, I am looking for God and I find an an environment, an atmosphere that is inviting to find God, I will say, you may sing a cappella or your song, maybe hymns, but it's not, it's not crucial. How can we create an atmosphere that will portray Jesus, will convey Jesus' values? Well, first of all, I think... Asking for his presence and being intentional in conveying Jesus. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not. Maybe I'm not being very or maybe you think I'm not being too pragmatical. But this is the thing: when you go to the Bible, you don't you don't find a list of songs or instruments of style. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because Jesus talks about principle. You know, in spirit, which means my spirit has to connect with God's spirit. And even though that's general and broad, that's very meaningful. That sets a lot about how we worship and in truth. And we know that Jesus is the truth, so he has to be there. And the Spirit will lead us to the truth, which is Jesus. So if that happens, all the details for me, they have to be dictated by your local congregation. And each congregation is different. It depends on you know, cultural dynamics, backgrounds, uh, generations, and so you, you you have to work with your congregation. But to work with your uh, congregation, you had to care, generally care for them, and um, create an atmosphere in which they can feel they are free to worship, they are comfortable to
0: worship. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for that answer. So now let's talk about liturgy and worship in regards to evangelism. What do you think the connection is between literally liturgy and evangelism?
1: Hmm. Well, let me, let me um, answer with a, uh, with an example. I'm, um, I'm a four generation Adventist, blah, blah, blah. And because hmm. I'm so used to be in Adventist uh, backgrounds, sometimes I feel that like when I go to, do evangelism, I don't know how to connect with people because they are Mm. very foreign to me. They speak differently. They behave differently. So I feel totally out of place. So what I have been doing lately is once a week I go to the prison and I teach music, music theory, music composition, piano piano lessons. And and I'm doing evangelism through music lessons. And what I discovered is music has this power to um, light a room, a very gray, depressive room. And uh, and so after I'm with them with my, well, this is a correctional, uh, I do the know. So I'm, I'm with teenagers. So after two, three months, we start to talk about Jesus. Like, naturally, I cannot just go there and, and do evangelism. I can't. Um, teach music but through music I am reaching their hearts and they will ask me can we learn this song which is a Christian song so I can now I can uh, teach them some Christian songs and that opens so many hearts and, and that, that really makes my week more mm. than Sabbath morning singing with you know members of my denomination a lot more Wow. Um, And so I discovered that what we are looking for is the same that I'm looking for. Is keep this real? May give me some answers that can really help me to live my daily life. It's great that you believe in the Second Coming of Christ. That's that's amazing. But I need to survive today because yeah. anxiety and depression they have increased more than thirty percent in the last ten years. So we had to give answers for daily problems and issues and you know that because you're a pastor as well so how liturgy and evangelism are connected if we go to the church reality and we try to find answers i find that really hard to do but if we really care about people and we go out there and try to reach maybe i don't know two three four people we will find the answers you know we're not in the church manual not in best practices, but in people's eyes and in people's hearts, we will we will uh, find that because we have the the most precious message, which is Jesus, and it always works. with music without music. So what I would say is stop trying to find solutions in liturgy, uh, in the um, uh, I would say in the context of the church, but if we care for people, and so we will be doing evangelism, we will tailor liturgy and and music to people' reality, people's reality, which are very far away from our church reality, sadly.
0: Wow, I love that answer, and I don't think I've ever heard it expressed that way, but tailoring our worship experience to people's reality, I think that's a, an amazing way of communicating that idea. So thank you for that answer. Um, so now let's let's now shift kind of culturally. Talk to me about uh, a little bit about worship wars and and uh, in the Hispanic church culture.
1: Oh wow, that's hmm. that's a good one. Okay, I'll try to I'll try to sum it up. Well, you know, only trying to define what is Hispanic, we have a we have a big issue. I'm from Uruguay. Uh and I'm Hispanic. I'm married to a Spaniard from Spain. He's Hispanic. He's considered Hispanic here, not in Europe. So um, our children are Hispanic, second generation, and that affects, I mean, hugely affects the way we worship. And we're just one family. So imagine when we are talking about Hispanic churches with Mexican, Puerto Ricans, people from El Salvador, Spain, Argentina, Chile. It's, it's, so they are coming from so different uh, journeys and, and backgrounds that it's just very, very difficult to even find songs that will reach everybody. And then, of course, we have the component of dynamics between first, second, and third generation of Hispanic immigrants in this country, which is uh, pretty intense. And also, a large percentage of Hispanic Christians come from a Catholic background. And uh, with all my respect for uh, Catholic, for the Catholic Church, understanding the gospel as good news, joyful news, or a deep experience with grace can be more challenging for those of us coming from the Catholic background because we associate uh, the gospel with suffering and uh, guilt So one more time, comparing uh, what the worship experience is in an African-American church, which is very energetic and joyful, um, to Hispanic congregations in which we, I think we get confused between reverence and sadness or depression, you know. That's what we think reverence is. We have to be quiet and and keep it soft. Um, So it is difficult. The reality is is difficult. But I want to be optimistic. I have been in some Hispanic churches that have uh, found a beautiful balance between uh, reverence and joy and all anew. Uh, a good example is Burn Springs Hispanic Church here in the um, five minutes from where I live. And they, they come from different um, cultural backgrounds, uh, different generations, and they achieve a very beautiful balance. So it is possible. It is possible. Uh, They have a worship committee, they have a worship pastor, and they have many people involved in worship. I think that's crucial when you can have people representing uh, different backgrounds and different generations, and um, you are in constant uh, feedback with the congregation, that will facilitate a lot of experience.
0: Mm, Thank you for that. I think that's great. So I've just got two more uh, questions for you, and uh, let's, so we've been, we've shifted through kind of a lot of different aspects of culture and different groups in our church, and so let's talk one more, and that's the one that I belong to, but you deal with millennials and worship all day. I mean, you're working at Andrews University, so what in worship is changing, and what, what is staying the same in with millennials and, and, and their approach to worship? okay.
1: Well, first of all, I would like to say that I love millennials. They are a huge blessing in my life, and uh, I am very grateful that I get to work with them. They keep me um, well, they keep it real. They they. I, I don't want to say force you, but they inspire you to be relevant and to um, be constantly rethinking and revisiting your ideas. and that's a blessing. That's a blessing. I think that that's a part of our spiritual journey. You know, if we are with Jesus, we will be growing and changing every day. So we have to be ready to change yeah. if we are disciples. And millennials, they take care of that as well. So <laughs> <laughs> they challenge us to keep it um, genuine. I think that is one of the elements that haven't changed. I remember when I was their age, I also was striving for, you um, honesty and relevance in in worship practices, Um, you want to see a genuine experience and um, you don't want that to be an option. What has changed, well, internet and social media has, you know, they have changed many things, but if millennials today, they don't see or they don't find worship relevant, so they are very resourceful, and they will find in YouTube a sermon or a song that, uh, will give them the connection that they are missing in our churches mm. or they are looking for. And, um, I saw that I have a 19 and a 20. Um, I mean, my, my children are 19 and 20 and I see that, I mean, they, they go, they will go to the church, um, They'll go to church, and they will see, well, the sermon, I'm not feeling it. Uh, it's not relevant. And they will just connect with a sermon in YouTube right there. Pastor um, oh, Elevation Church, Mike, Pastor Mike. Okay, let's see what um, his last sermon is, and they will be listening to it right away. And mm. I can, I can um, agree with that or not, but um, that's how they think. So that's challenging, and we have to be aware of that. Um, and it, it's so I was saying it's not easy, but it's what's going on. For example, let me give you another example. I've been teaching musical worship for years now in Spain, in, in Jamaica, in Aruquit. This year, I taught this class here at Andrews, and the students were different from any other class place that I've been to is more diverse maybe and um, critical thinkers maybe more than any other place I've been to so I realized that some of my answers didn't didn't resonate with them so they were not happy with them so I had to open my mind to listen to what they had to say and honestly, When you are a professor and you've been teaching for years, it's not easy, it's not comfortable to just open your mind and learn from your students, but you have to come to the conversation willing to learn. And I think that's something very important in the church. We have to come to the conversation with millennials and even children willing to learn something from uh, from them and willing Mm -hmm. to change because if 70% of them are leaving us, that means that we have a, a problem that we need to address, or we will just, you know, be extinguished.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we, we we have to take them seriously when they complain about inconsistencies and about um, double standards in worship, in, in, in some other areas. But uh, we're talking about worship today. There are many uh, inconsistencies in, in worship practices that we hold today. So, yeah, they they less accountable
0: mm. mm-hmm. all right, so um, this has been a, a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot, and that last question was like kind of you holding up a mirror to me um, so I just want to ask you this kind of as we as we wind down this interview any final thoughts about worship liturgy any words of encouragement you would share um, anything that you want to leave our listeners with
1: um, yes i I mean uh, given the opportunity to talk in different uh, church venues and um, in local churches um, in the past 10 years and i've been in more than 40 different countries and and here in the north american division as well and what i find is we need to go back to the bible to scripture you know to the gospel in its pureness and which is centered in Jesus and only Jesus. So um, that you know, w- when you go to a church and our traditions uh, have taken the place of the Word of God, we have a huge problem. And, uh, and I think we are there in many churches. I think that's one of the biggest challenges in worship and in any other area. So uh, I hope we can... Um, we can remember that uh, the word of God is the center. The word of God is the truth. And of course, Ellen G. White, you know, she sheds uh, so much beautiful light on it, but even her, she will say, um, she will say, you know, I'm a minor light and, and the word of God is the, is the major light, is the main light. So I, I think that we need to go back to Jesus' message, uh, Jesus' center and uh, I hope that we can do that together.
0: Hmm. Thank you so much for these answers for this time that you spent with us. Um, we really, really appreciate you and the work you're doing. I know that I do as a millennial, having leaders in our church and and people um, that I get to work beside and, and work alongside like you are really important. Um, and it's just really uplifting for me. So just know from 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 us that we're praying for you. That we're excited for the work that you're doing and. Um good luck with with whatever you have next in 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 this upcoming school year and thanks for coming on the Lead podcast.
1: Thank you Ryan, thank you for the opportunity. Same thing, blessings to you and your ministry.
0: I appreciate the opportunity to participate. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to The Lead Podcast. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm one of the co-hosts and producer of this podcast, and we really appreciate your support. If you want to subscribe, then you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcatching apps. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, then we just ask that you please leave a review. That really helps us out to know what we can do better and the things that you are already enjoying, the things that we can continue doing. Make sure you do subscribe and leave a review because we're always doing giveaways and that really helps. Uh, that's the way that we do it is we do it for those who have left a review if you have any comments questions or feedback for the show you can email us lead podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter roger hernandez at lead and myself at ryan 180 becker thank you guys so much for listening and supporting without you this is not possible we'll see you next time